This episode of The Cutting Room is sponsored by Grass Valley's Edia 6. Check out the new Edia 6 at www.grassvalley.com. What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. This week, I'm interviewing Stephen Rivkin, and we're going to focus on his work on cutting Avatar. Also, it's important to remind you that the reason it sounds so hollow and weird is uh, it was during the G20 and we were forced out of the city or else they would have shut down airwaves and stuff so we couldn't communicate. But more importantly than the G20 riots, we have a crazy month-long giveaway coming up in August. And we have tons of stuff to give away, including Blackmagic's Resolve, Singular Software's Pluralized, and much, much more, which we'll talk about when Lauren and I talk. But please enjoy my interview with Steven Rifkin as we talk about Avatar. talk about Avatar. You talked about it at Edit Fest and I've heard you talk about it on the Rough Cut for Avid. I was wondering if you could give us some background or a bit of understanding of the cutting process because it differed drastically from most films. The primary difference is that the film was cut a number of times Mm -hmm. and the first phase of editing was to select performances based on the, the performance capture which was a process where Jim would take the actors on a stage in capture suits and you know there were many many cameras on the ceiling that would capture their motion and a face camera that would capture their facial expression but we had reference cameras so that we could see what the capture was it was a representation of what the capture was and we edited the reference cameras into a performance edit so that we could evaluate, you know, and work with Jim to find all the best performances. And then, and only then, did we proceed with building the, what we called loads or sections of scenes that could be prepared to go into virtual production. And what I mean by that is that once the performances were selected and edited, sometimes combining performances from different takes into the same scene, then those could be played back with no actors present and shot in a separate camera session where Jim would call for playback and the sections of scenes would be played back and then he could shoot all of his coverage of these actors now as virtual characters and basically play it back as many times as he wanted to shoot close-ups, medium shots, wide shots, dolly shots, crane shots, whatever he Mm -hmm. chose, always using the same performances. So you don't have to worry about an actor hitting a mark or blowing a line at the end of a complicated camera move or whatever. Then we took those dailies and started cutting them as actual scenes. And then when those were done, and approved, they went to Weta because it took like a year to finish those because they would up-res all the characters and map the detailed facial expression onto each character that was recorded during the capture phase and add all of the other high-res details that we gave them low-res versions of. When you get this footage, because you have to cut it three times or four times like this, you know, you know, once for the motion or performance capture, once for effects and what have you, how did you keep track of the story elements and making sure that everything would work together in the long run? Like any film, you're working in individual scenes to begin with. In this case, you know, we had our performance edit 
Then we had our breakdown or basically load building for sections of scenes so that Jim could shoot. Then we would have what we called our camera edits, which would be based on the virtual camera shots that we would now edit. Now we have a scene that represented a scene that might be shot in a live action film because you have a scene that represents the story of that scene and those characters. And once we had a series of those that we could look at, you could get a better idea of how the film was playing. But keep in mind, because various scenes were in different stages of development for over a two and a half year period. So the film at any one time in the early stages could have a patchwork of performance edits, which represented people, just actors in suits, and some early camera cuts, which are in what we call template phase, and then some animation phases or final render phases. So the film was just a patchwork of all kinds of things. So it was very difficult to look at it as a whole, but at a certain point we had to start looking at that because there were scenes that were captured that you know if we if we could do without them then we didn't we could save all kinds of time in the schedule and enormous amounts of money to finish them so you know i mean in any film there's a certain point where you string all the scenes together and you look at it and you start seeing how it plays as a movie this is no different it just takes longer to get there when we finally are looking at the film from beginning to end then you start to make the kind of decisions that are crucial to, you know, make the film play. But it's just like any film where you're always working in individual scenes while they're being shot and edited. And then you put it all together and you start the final editing process of looking at the whole film and seeing what has to be done. Some scenes may be shorter or deleted or there may be, you know, let loose entrances or exits or trim internally within scenes or make changes or work on transitions Mm -hmm. all these things that help to make a film play james cameron actually took part in the editing process he was credited as one of the editors Um, how did you approach editing with a director as part of the editing team how did you make sure that he was able to separate himself from the film objectively well let me just say that all directors have to be editors to a certain mm-hmm. extent. When a director's cut is being executed, a director is suggesting we lose this shot or take that scene out, do this or that. These are director's changes. And the difference with Jim is that rather than telling you he wants to do that, he likes to try and do this stuff himself, and then we look at it and talk about it. And he did... In the beginning, you know, he did cut a number of scenes on his own, but the film quickly became such a monumental task between directing the actors in capture and prepping each scene for camera and shooting the camera, which he did himself, and editing those cameras and uh, and then constantly rotating those processes. You know, mm-hmm. it just became clear to him that he wasn't going to be able to do this whole thing himself. So... Uh, it probably would have taken 10 years, you know, but he was very involved, you know, he, he, he liked us to experiment as much as possible and present different ideas for parts of scenes and things like that. And he would, he very much was interested in, in doing a lot of, a lot of editing himself as well. 
So, I mean, anytime you're collaborating in the editorial process, uh, editors and editors, it's always um, a challenge because uh, people are protective sometimes of what they do. And I think the best situation of collaboration is when everybody understands that what's best for the film is the best thing to do. And, you know, I've worked on a number of teams on various films, and, you know, the, the, that's the best scenario, is when people are able to be open creatively and to be critiqued or to look at different ways of cutting the same scene sometimes. These are all things that are healthy and um, advantageous. There was also a huge element of 3D. Were you guys involved in any way in helping sort of decide what scenes would be more 3D than the others or how much depth the uh, negative positive space would be? We were involved peripherally, but we had a team that was working exclusively. Now, in the virtual world, the 3D is a lot more controllable than the live-action 3D, where a lot of the aspects of the 3D are baked in, and if they're not, if it's not shot correctly, then it's difficult to fix, you know. But in the virtual world, the 3D is the second eye is generated, you know, by the computer based on, you know, where you place the camera. So the stereo space is, is something that is a little more pliable. But we had a team that was working with the 3D, analyzing the 3D, helping to fix certain problems and things like that before we passed the virtual scenes on to Weta. So the 3D, lighting, props, wardrobe, characters were all in low-res form and signed off on before they went to Weta for for up-resing and finishing. They would use these high-res environments, but it was based on, you know, every time Jim would place a tree or something like that in the set, they would have a tree that, you know, they would put in. It might be a higher-res tree but there's there's a it's a representation of what that frame entails you know the shot creation and composition and lighting is all something that was predetermined because Jim didn't want to have to start those dialogues when the template basically showed everything that he'd already gone he'd already gone through those processes of you know move this prop here move that you know this actor will move in you know a foot and of course you're telling someone on a computer to move the actor a foot closer to the other one rather than tell someone to take a step forward so <laughs> you know it was kind of a unique situation yeah i was going to ask about the flying se sequences between the when the navi are riding on the sort of dragon like animals the Banshees, right. Uh -huh. yeah. What were some of the difficulties you faced when cutting these sequences? I don't know that they're that much more difficult. I think mm -hmm. there was more difficulty in preparing the scenes for camera because we had so many elements involved. We had, you know, stunt people playing flying creatures, you know, for wing flaps, and we had rigs, we had stunt people riding them and we had to sometimes put the actors faces on them you know because they were on a rig and they sometimes the way they sat on them just was uh, you know something that was a little more uh, stunt oriented or if mm -hmm. they took falls or things like that we had to prepare the scenes with all of these elements and uh, that made it a little more complicated but once we got to the 
virtual camera phase, it's cutting it like any other scene. So did you have to tile these the way you did with the um, large crowd sequences? Anytime we had large numbers of characters, there's more preparation because we had to cut every track, you know, because every character had to be represented. So again, you know, that falls into uh, preparation. I don't know that it was necessarily a tile situation, but there'd be groups of riders that would be captured at a single time. And of course, we could move them around on the virtual set. The, the, the scene you're talking about was a fixed space where Jake walks through a crowd and, and that required, you know, kind of a precise tiling of crowd characters. Otherwise, they, you know, go through each other. I just have one last question that I ask all the editors I interview, and that's what's your favorite guilty pleasure film? I don't know off off the top of my head. You know, I mean, I'm I'm a I, I love the old films of the 30s. I you know I I love comedy. I used to be a big Marx Brothers fan, and you know loved all the old Max Sennett films and things like that. Mm -hmm. But but I also as a kid enthralled by uh, you know the the uh, science fiction films and think science fantasy like, you know, mm -hmm. Seventh Voyage of Sinbad and things like that, which ironically had some interesting similarities to, you know, skeletons fighting in Pirates of the Caribbean, you know. <laughs> and in fact I, I had a chance to meet Ray Harryhausen at a Ray Harryhausen at a book signing and oh, yeah. uh, and I told him that I was working on the Pirates of the Caribbean and he said, Yeah, that's all done with computers. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little, I, I could sense that, you know, here was a guy who mastered stop frame animation and, and he was a legend and, uh, and uh, it didn't sound like he, like he really appreciated the, the computer age and what, what effect it mm -hmm. had on his profession. But, wow. but anyway, so, <laughs> but uh, that was a very interesting experience. But it was, a, it was a joy to meet him, and you know, because I'd watched all the things that he'd done. Well, I'd like to thank you for letting me interview you. That's no problem. It's my pleasure. So that was my interview with Stephen Rifkin. Lauren. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, you know, it's it's a week away. Yeah, pub night. Yes, pub night. And I have some great news. Well, I have some. Some news about the people coming to it. I was trying to get a person who will remain nameless at this moment, who's cut some very well-known stuff, and he really wants to come. He says it depends on what his doctor says because he's having his tonsils out. So if he's well enough to come, he will be there. If he's not, then we wish him the best, getting well. But we also have Bobby Osteen, author of some of the top film editing books, Cut to the Chase, and the invisible cut. She's gonna be there. She signed two books for us to give away. We're also gonna have John Rosenberg, the healthy edit. He's gonna be there and we're hoping to get a book from him signed for someone to get, as well as tons of shirts to win. Lauren, we're a week away. Any words? Um, looking forward to seeing everyone. Hopefully we have enough people to take all the prizes home. So if you happen to be in the area, who knows? Maybe you will be one of the people that brings us up to the amount of prizes we have in terms of attendance, and everybody will go home with something. 
Yeah. We don't know. So if there's lots of people, awesome. If there's a few people, then you'll get a loot bag. Yeah. Either way, you either get lots of people to meet with or you get a loot bag. One of the two. Mm-hmm. But pub night aside, information for the pub night, by the way, you can go to artofthegeotine.com or aotg.com and you'll notice a little pub night ad on the right hand side. And it's on Sunday. Sunday, August 7th at 8.30 at the Fox and Hound. Fox and Hounds, plural, I believe it is. In Studio City. Yep. But what is coming out in August, Lauren? Do you know? Is it giveaway month? I. It's crazy August giveaway month. Yay! And what we've done is we've been working hard late nights on uh, building a iPhone app iPad app and Android app. Now we have an iPhone app, which is essentially just a RSS feed reader. Mm-hmm. We're overhauling that so that the new iPad app will include the video system, so you can watch all the American cinema editors, Canadian cinema editors, and Australian screen editors videos. So maybe after you've seen it with at home and checked it out then you can take your ipad into the edit suite and say you guys have got to watch this and then share it with others exactly it's always good to share the love of course it's going to have our podcast embedded into it so if you download it and you've already signed up for our podcast it's there and if you haven't you might be listening to this after downloading our app congratulations yes enjoy yes as well as our news feeds and other great stuff. Now, remember, this is going to be 2.0. This is a refresh of our just simple RSS reader. What if you don't have an iPad, but you would love to experience the app on an iPad, and all you just need is that one last piece of the puzzle, which is the iPad oh, itself? Oh, yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. We put together this crazy giveaway month, and in this gri- giveaway month, we're giving away an iPad. Awesome. So I'm totally it, gonna win it. Well, you can't. You're, Why? Because we put it into the contest rules that you can't. My name is Woodcock. Doesn't matter. I'm not it's related. But what we've done is we've called all these companies that we've worked with in the past and said, "Hey, help us out. Hook us up with some awesome software or some awesome tools." And they gave us a bunch of stuff. So we have an iPad to give away. However, I think it should be noted that the iPad that's being given away was actually just purchased by Art of the Guillotine. That one was purchased by us because... I have to say, it's nearly impossible to get something from Apple. So, yep, that was yeah, a straight-up Apple, purchase. Apple said no. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, they didn't even respond. No, of course. But you know who did respond? Who? Black Magic. Awesome. They gave us a resolve, a full resolve, $995 worth. Wow. Uh, we also got Noise Industries FX factory plugins. Awesome. We got Digital Film Tools photocopy plugins, mm-hmm. Singular Software's Pluralize, mm-hmm. as well as Digital Rebellion's apps and plugins. Now, you'll remember we did an interview with John from yep. that a few months ago. For cut notes, right? Yes, for cut notes, which we're giving away. Mm-hmm. And we're also giving away $200 towards Motion VFX uh, templates. Tons of other stuff, shirts, you name it. It's a crazy month giveaway. Which I think the shirts are almost sometimes the best part. Because, you know, maybe $1,000 worth of software or whatever that one prizes. But can you take a picture and put it on Facebook and share it with all the other fans of Art of the Guillotine? Maybe you can. But you're not going to be wearing it. You can't wear software. Yeah. No. Exactly. Can't do it. Can't brag about it at a bar. Can't. 
Help. Yeah, everybody wear your shirts. Yeah, if you want a shirt, wear coolest. it to the pub. But we're, yeah, we got so much stuff to give away. And I'm so happy that all these companies stepped up to the plate and they yep. were really helpful. And they said, of course. But what makes it great is it's dead simple to get your name into the draw for these. Yeah. All you have to do is be a member of the community. That's it. So all you have to do is go to AOTG.com. Yeah. And sign up. So put in your name and your username and email. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And what if you have already done that before? Then you're automatically in. Awesome. So I like this. Except for Lauren Woodcock. Come on! <laughs> I have like five different email addresses. I'm totally going to get it in there. Uh, we can't win it. Neither no, can Tage. I know. Who's very upset about that. Our other guillotine, we've talked about it before. You know, if you don't win one of those t-shirts, you can buy them. They're purchasable at yeah. the store. But we... Uh, we, and by we, I mean Gord. So appreciate all of the people that are following this site, that are tweeting us, that are interested and supportive and going to be coming to this pub night and everything else because Gord spends a lot of time on Art of the Guillotine and it's yes. like really important to him. And We're recording so this Saturday and I've been working since I got up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, he spends his weekends, his days, his nights. I don't see him. This is the only way we talk is when I do yeah. a podcast. I actually haven't talked to him since and the no last one. And no one contact us about German Jenga. Oh, dear. Now we can never play it. Has anyone written me a song? Probably not. Cage wrote you one, but we can't use it. Why? Because he used the Autobots oh. song. But anyways, the point is, is in order to thank everyone for their participation and for their interest and the time that they spend on the site that's you know why Gord buys these shirts and gives them away and bought this iPad and is giving it away yes you know it's um it's a thank you to yeah. the to the guillotine heads but not only that let's okay everyone wants to win all this stuff yes what we've done is if you want your name in more than once in the draw so you can only sign up once start of the guillotine i have a question so what if i mentioned that i have four or five email addresses what if i send it through all my email addresses uh if we catch you you're in trouble <gasps> but you're gonna go to the guillotine yeah yeah no but we are we've set something up so that you can get your name in more than once okay and it's actually really simple. If you log into your account, mm -hmm. you'll see there's an invite friends. Yes. If you click on that, you can submit your email. You refer some friends. And you can refer your friends to join Art of the Guillotine. Okay. For every friend who joins Art of the Guillotine through your account, mm -hmm. you get your name in again. Awesome. So if you invite 2,000 people, guess You've what? You've got too many friends. <laughs> you have a very big <laughs> Facebook following. Yes. And you're probably going to win something. Yes. Probably like coolest person award yeah but that way you don't have to try and break the rules and submit different emails and all this stuff all you have to do is uh sign up sign up and encourage your friends to yeah because if your friends aren't already listening then they have less time on their hands than you do and what what are you guys going to talk about yeah so that said we're going to have the app out towards the end of the month and that iPad comes with it preloaded. Yeah, and we're all really excited about it. Mm -hmm. So, yes. that said, we have stuff to give away right now. Oh my god. Well, technically, right now. Kind of right now. Yeah, no stuff one's to offer. gotten. This is the last attempt of, for us to get this forward film review winner 
I think this is going to do it. I think I, I think if this... you guys don't get it, then, well, we'll have words at the pub. Yeah. Peppo's tried. He's emailed me several times. And what up, Peppo? And we've had tons of emails. How's your shirt guessing. doing? Taking it in yet? Uh, Alterations? I, I sent another one to him. Good. And it should be there within the next week or so. It takes a bit to get it to Amsterdam. And listen, people, don't order the wrong size thinking you're going to pull a Peppo. <laughs> this will only happen once. Yes, yes. From now on, it's... Because uh, I need a shirt. Yes. I don't have a shirt. Neither does Gord. We need shirts, too. Christmas is coming. It'll Christmas? be in your stocking. Thank you. That and Cole. What? So, here is this week's Forward Film Review Clue. But first, the other ones. We had Heard Bombing. English Woman Imbues Strine Wine. Lauren. Yes. What is this week's Forward Film Review This one? Clue. Outback Ranching Down Under. Come on. You can and do it. And if no one gets this one, it's retired. Yeah. How do they submit their guess? Submit, you can submit your guess through Facebook. So facebook.com slash artguillotine. You could um, send it through an email, info at artoftheguillotine.com. You can submit it by Facebook, facebook.com slash And be cocky. Give us your shirt size right off the bat. Yeah. And, and respond quick. Or by Twitter at Archeotine. Or if you're really wanting to win a Resolve or an iPad or one of these crazy gifts we're giving away. Sign up, bitch. Just go to artoftheguillotine.com or aotg.com. They go to the same place. So that's our podcast. I'm Gordon Burkell. I'd like to thank Lauren Woodcock. Burkell. I'd like to thank the American Cinema Editors for helping me set this up. I'd like to thank Stephen Rivkin. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening. Bye.